I was extremely frustrated at the sort of corporate rat race. Hey guys, I'm AJ. I'm Rooney. And welcome to TFA Talk Show. Today with us, we have Gus. And he is the founder of Eat Launchpad, a one-stop digital platform for aspiring entrepreneurs and startups. Welcome, Gus. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Maybe you can share with us a bit more about what you do. Sure. So let me put it this way. So everybody's talking about startups. Um, you know, even universities, governments, the media, it's just becoming a very hot topic today. But becoming a startup founder is actually really hard. In fact, as you know, 95% of startups fail, especially most of them don't survive past the first year. So this kind of, it's very close to heart. When I first quit my corporate job, you know, I was a banker for 12 years, all the way up to 2016. And, you know, when I left the banking industry, I've always wanted to start my own business. I come from a family of entrepreneurs for quite a number of generations, but I myself had no idea how to start a business. Right. So I, you know, started Googling, read through all of the information I could find, talked to a couple of like people, even found myself a few mentors. And, you know, everything that I could find was about what other people have done and what people have failed, what other right. people have succeeded. Mm-hmm. But what I really needed was something or somebody that was able to give me guidance on the goal and to continue to capture where, you know, where are some of the areas that I, I might get stuck. And so with that, I just kind of like, there was not a single platform that I could go to, to find an answer like that. So we set off on a mission since 2018 to build a one-stop digital platform, like what you mentioned, and it was targeted for, and it is still targeted for aspiring entrepreneurs and startups. So what the system does, it continuously gathers data on the background while our users engage on it. So the more the users use it, the better it's able to understand where the teams are maybe stuck. And with all of that data, he essentially predicts some potential points of failure and essentially recommends them what are the next steps. So it could be, you know, read this. There are a lot of stupid mistakes that founders do that could easily be answered by reading articles and and Googling. But, you know, many people don't Google, right? They don't look for answers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the system automatically proactively recommends them what you read. And if they don't act on it, essentially it begins to recommend who they can talk to and exit. So, you know, it's, it's just like next steps of avoiding failures. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you mentioned you were from a corporate job. So what actually made you switch from banking to entrepreneurship? I mean, like, what's your trigger? Well, without wood, there would be no fire, right? And <laughs> I would say that it's been piling up over the right. years. Mm. Back in 2015, 2016, I was extremely frustrated Mm. at the sort of corporate rat race and I found myself checking into work you know the Monday blues and all of that Mm -hmm. and I was just like I could do so much more I think it all goes back to you know my parents immigrated to Brazil when Mm. I was really young and they had no background in anything like they didn't have any background in finance they didn't know how to put together a business they didn't speak Spanish or Brazilian Portuguese but they built uh you know over the course of like 10 to 12 years they built up you know a really good business that even sent my sister and I to go study overseas and I looked at myself in you know back in 2015 and I was like what am I doing like I I speak so many languages and I, I knew finance. I've worked for banks by then ten over 10 years. Oh. And why w- was I working for other people when I could go <laughs> out there and solve a bigger problem? Right. And that was essentially the initial trigger to mm. the 
you know, to to that fire in my belly to say, okay, I gotta step out of this comfort zone. Right. Otherwise, I'm just gonna be trapped here. And by then, I was kind of like my age. I wasn't young anymore. I was getting close to like past 35, and I was、mm. thinking like, you know, if I don't get out now, when else am I gonna get out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, because you you came from a corporate corporate job and then you jump right into the entrepreneurship, what were your fears when starting your business? So many. So <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing.、Mm. I would be lying here that if I were to tell you that you know you know I had my shit together and I I know what you know the next steps are. In reality, little did I know what I thought was the right budget. Right, I right. you know I was thinking like budgeted myself for like six months, for eight months, but it was you always under budget, you always、mm. under plan,、mm. and I think back then, like I said, I was looking, I was reading and looking at information that was about other people, but there was no right formula. And looking back, I would say that there was nothing really. Because everybody is in a unique journey, right? I always make this example about that we are all, you know, the geeky side of me takes Star Wars as one of the examples. So you've got Han Solo, and he's in his own journey to find his father,、mm. and we're kind of all in our own journey to discover what it is that we want to achieve in our lives. Entrepreneurship is very much like that, you know. Like it's hard for me even today, having advised so many founders, I would say that I can't. I never say like. This is the right path, the right formula, right. because there just isn't one. They, everyone discovers what is it that they want to achieve on their journey as they fail more and as they find what works for them. Right. Okay. So then, how how do you actually overcome your fears and challenges, like when you first start up, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. I would say that. I mean, I came from a industry and a background that made it very comfortable for me in life, right? As a banker, I was a banker for about twelve years,、mm-hmm. and you know, income was good and everything. The biggest fear wasn't that I couldn't, that I would run out of money or I would、mm-hmm. end up in a gutter somewhere. <laughs> The fear was that it built over time. So initially, you know, I started with like, it's fine. Mm. I'm okay, you know. There's money in the bank account, and there, I've got a house、yeah. and all of that. But then fear began to build up six months, eight months, and when、mm. you start realizing that there's no more income, and reality sinks in, right? And you realize that you know, twelve months later, you still have no more income. Sixteen、mm. months later, you still have no more income, and that is when you start to panic. And the psychological fear,、right. I would say. I mean, there were many other risk factors and many other considerations that would have taken in place, but I feel like for most founders, the psychological dealing with your psychological challenges is with yourself. the 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 conversation that you have in your head,、mm. it's far more challenging than the actual real challenges that you are facing. You know, physical challenges that you face in the real life. Right. So, I mean, like, do you like read books or what? What do you do? <laughs> so I read a lot. Building a support network was extremely important.、Mm. One thing that I do with many of the first-time founders today is to look at, you know, what kind of people have have I sort of surrounded myself with. Right. There is a saying that you are the combined average of the five people that、yep. you you surround yourself with. So. One example would be tangible example was when I first left. The first six months, 
I was still in my, you know, banking group mm. and, you know, all of these people. So going to like champagne branches and right. spending three, four hundred a weekend, it was a very normal sort of lifestyle. Mm. But then, you know, fast forward eight months, 12 months, you can't surround yourself with that kind of group yes. of people because it's a constant reminder of what you left behind. Mm-hmm. Now, my entire objective and risk factor has completely shifted. So I can't continue. And so I found myself having to detach myself mm-hmm. from what used to work mm-hmm. and rebuild the environment that, that I was with. So I found myself, I literally, I mean, for those that know me, I packed my entire mm-hmm. life into two bags and I took a one ticket flight to California. Wow. I told myself that I wasn't going to come back to Singapore unless I've, I've built something that I was, you know, more comfortable in taking mm. it to the next level. Mm. And when I ended up in California, I found myself talking to like 24-year-olds, 18-year-olds, <laughs> people that really inspired me, mm. people that had no, because of the circumstances of their life, they were forced into being entrepreneurs. Right. So we're talking about, you know, parents who divorced mm. in the when they were 16-year-olds. So they weren't given the proper opportunity to go to university. Mm. And so they couldn't really achieve higher education. And so many of them ended up becoming entrepreneurs because mm. of circumstances. Right. And they, by the time I met them, some of them were like 25, 26, but they were on to build their sixth or seventh startup. Wow. And yeah, and they were like in the third exit wow. at 25. They were, wow. one of them was like, had millions in the bank account because of how early he's begun. Mm. And I wish, you know, somebody who was like, I mean, compared to, him i was like a millennial right he was like gen z Mm. and i wish i had gone into starting my businesses and learned this you know how to start my things much earlier than than he did yeah so it's inspiring to be Mm. surrounded with younger people who Mm. started much earlier in life than you know in in the entrepreneurship journey but then at the point of time where you realize were there any form of regrets or were you still like um you like you feel that this is your path despite the age gap and whatsoever what was your thought back then? So one thing I learned is never, age is just a number. And I, and mm. I know this is like kind of like, you know, it's very loosely used and everybody <laughs> overuse it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't really realize the true application of it until I went to the US and I was hanging around like 18 year olds. Um, and as a, you know, 36, 37, you know, back then, hanging around with like some 18 year old, I'm just like, I mean, what could I learn from them? Mm-hmm. But then I, I don't know. I think culturally from uh, the entrepreneurship ecosystem, it's just, I travel around Europe and US and some parts of like Central America. And what I found was that they actually are more, a lot more risk taker. Right. They knew far more about how to put together a business than mm. some 60-year-old that has been enslaving themselves in like mm. big corporate. Now, right. I'm, I know like at this point, most of the listeners will probably think that I'm here. It's like us against them. It's not, right? <laughs> There's a lot that could be learned with the corporate guys. And, but I just find that just because you've had like 30 years in a particular industry expertise, it doesn't mean that they can build something from scratch. Mm, And one thing that I've learned about from these guys that started really from scratch is Mm. the ability to survive and to build resilience in spite of 
whatever market, you know, like whatever was happening in the economy, it did not apply to these guys because mm. they've survived through so many challenges and, and reinvented themselves so many times that mm-hmm. uh, it's like a cockroach. You can't kill them. It's like whatever it happens in the economy, it doesn't really apply to them. It's very, they're very, very resilient. Wow. Cockroach. I don't know why, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I describe myself as a cockroach. Like I could be, you know, I'm we are all cockroaches. <laughs> we are cockroaches. Even though I don't like them, but okay. But yeah, we're survivors. You know, yes. like it's just like you don't, you don't, die. you thrive in the yeah. in, in in chaos, yeah. and that is what in in a, in an environment where things are, you know, are messy and are dirty and hard to grasp, right? Yeah, I, I use that. It may not be the best example, but I, I, I'm just like trying to think of an, a, an animal of a being mm, that yeah. survives no matter what kind of environment. And I think I cockroaches know, right? are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yep, can totally see where this is going. <laughs> okay, because <clears throat> you mentioned about like, you know, how we have to thrive in chaos and stuff like that. Because for us, we, we represent mostly freelancers and we can totally yep. relate to like how entrepreneurs, their lifestyle or their way of things, right? And because we understand that, you know, it's a business, you'll be working in a team. So what's it like to work in a team? Because most of us, like freelancers, we're usually working solo. Let me just clarify. When I left banking, I was a freelancer for a good one year and a half. I didn't, mm. I didn't play the traditional startup game. So what would be the traditional startup game? You know, take startup founders today. Yeah. It's you go around with an idea and a pitch deck and you share right. your idea with like, you know, a hundred people and you hope that one of them is going to believe in you, right? Mm-hmm. And then put money in you. And then when you raise enough money, so technically you, have, you haven't really created any value at that point mm-hmm. until you've had raised money. One thing that I appreciated uh, and I still stand with what I did. When I left, I didn't, I didn't believe in that model. I believe in the model where you experiment, you get your hands dirty, you provide mm. service, you create value first. And mm. that's one thing that I really appreciate about freelancers is that, you know, there's a lot of hands-on and a lot of skills put into value creation, even though you don't have anything or everybody backing you, you just got, you've got yourself or maybe like your friend, right? Two, yeah, two yes. people, two, three people coming together but one of the biggest challenges as a freelancer back then was that mm. how do i scale so while mm. i used to go around and provide advisory and talk about finance coming from finance you know how do you budget yourself how do you mm. find financial sustainability and resilience mm. within mm. yourself as a startup and that was what i found a lot of like a very niche market that many people didn't do because mm-hmm. everybody was like talking about businesses they were talking about you know digital marketing talking about yeah. all of that but financial sustainability and resilience was there weren't many people back then talking about it and i found that through going there i couldn't scale right. it was just me myself and i right so at my peak i found i was servicing about 14 founders oh. working from seven to midnight and non-stop for three right. months and it was a point in time when if i didn't change my model this system would crash mm. and essentially by 2018 i flew back to singapore and i had an idea of like because i've always come from tech background and my degrees in tech and, mm-hmm. and mathematics so i've always wanted to do what i did but tech because right. using a system on a platform and data if i could use it to my advantage then we could essentially replicate this a much bigger scale so by 2018 we came back and i proposed that ai system 
to the ESG grants, the Singapore government, and essentially we got our initial small sort of starting fund. I mean,、mm. you couldn't, you can't even call it pre-seed round because it was so small, but、mm. it was enough to get us started. And that is one of the things that I really appreciate about having started this business in Singapore,、right. because of the funding. I don't think I would have been able to even start that idea, you know, kick、mm. roll the process if it was in other parts of the world. I think it the traditional tech model, like、mm. tech startup model, works if you are in America or in Europe, right? right. Because it's You go around with a pitch deck, and they they invest in. But it's, it's in Asia, it's very hard.、Mm. Yeah, investors are much more conservative. They're more they want to see tangible stuff before they、yeah. give you money. You know, having the government to be able to stimulate that right at the beginning. If as a recipient of one of those businesses,、mm. of those grants, I, I, you know, that is what worked for us. I can't say that it works for everybody. I've also、mm. met founders that said.、Yeah. You know why should I waste time doing that when I can really go and raise a big round from the investors, and they are right. I mean,、right. they you know there's no right or wrong model. For me,、mm-hmm. it worked to be a freelancer first, convince the government with a little bit of money, and then、mm-hmm. our first tech guys, and essentially start building our technology. And today we are a team of nine people,、wow. which are, we still depend a lot on government subsidies and、yeah. some of the government grants that are available out there. So now that you have a team of nine. <laughs> What's your advice to freelancers who are thinking of starting their own business? It could be someone who actually is currently right now having corporate job and wants to go into freelancing, or it could be someone who is already a freelancer and wants to scale up their business like yourself. Maybe like a team. So I see there's two parts.、Mm. Okay, the first part is somebody with a corporate job wanting to、mm. come into freelancing. I would say totally do it, and、right. the reason why I would say that is this. If you've been working for a big company like myself, I was working with some of the big, bigger banks, Citibank, HSBC, UOB. I've always had that brand behind me,、right. and you wouldn't understand what are the risk and the courage that are required and skills for that matter when the brand is no longer behind you, when you're、mm. by yourself and you are, you know, and you won't be able to know that because a lot of people. That are under the big companies, they suffer from overconfidence. They feel、mm-hmm. that they attribute a lot to their own skill and capabilities,、mm-hmm. even though they've jumped around different corporates. But they、mm-hmm. don't realize that they still rely on that big name.、Mm-hmm. Once you strip away the name and you abide just yourself, then you find that there's a lot of advisors and consultants that are struggling out there in the market. Right. Until they discover their ability to create a business model that、mm. works for them as a freelancer,、mm. when you achieve that, then you can truly say that you are a freelancer. Before that, you find yourself still kind of you know trying to get customers, trying to get、mm. people to convince you,、yeah. and all the brand that used to be behind you is your past life. It,、mm. it would not work for you. It's very hard to convince that. The second part, which is more to do with freelancers, should they scale? Should they、mm. go into tech? Mm-hmm. I would say that there are different methodologies that are out there, and、mm-hmm. read up about them. So there's something called lean startup methodology that allows you to take what you do very well as a freelancer,、mm-hmm. and then look at the different type of and ideate the different type of solutions for the customers that you're servicing right now. So there one reason why a lot of customers are engaging freelancers. Like、mm-hmm. us in the past,、mm-hmm. right? right? Is because they had a need, and、mm-hmm. they had pains that they needed to solve. Except that they didn't want to hire us in 
full time. They just wanted to outsource this. So essentially, what would make sense is to look at technology solutions or at least put together technology solutions that would be able to continue replicate that similar or at least you know innovate in that mm. space to create what we call today the startup model. So you know, startups essentially yeah. build something that is profitable, scalable, and continuous. Thank you guys for sharing. I think it's amazing to know that, you know, from a corporate job to freelance and, you know, you, you actually took the freelancing model before you actually went to scale your business. So could you share with our viewers and listeners, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so we have a community group on Telegram. And so for those that are thinking about doing a startup, or fostering some kind of partnership or collaboration, you can find us, which is EAT, Launchpad Community. So is E for England, A for Asia, and T for Thailand Community. Another way would be you can email me directly or look us up on our website. So the website is eatlaunchpad.com. So E-A-T, Launchpad, L-A-U-N-C-H-P-A-D. Mm-hmm. Our contact is over there. Feel free to add me on LinkedIn as well. My name is Gustavo Liu. I don't think that many many Asian people with a Spanish name. So yeah, Gustavo is G-U-S-T-A-D-O. Last name is Elijah. Thank you so much, guys, for being on board with us. And for those who are watching and listening, we do like our content. Do follow us on our social media platform on YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, Telegram, LinkedIn, as well as Facebook at The Freelancers Academy. And we'll see you there.